Hello, everybody. The Three Point Threat Podcast is back. I am your host, Jared Woodcox, and uh, excited to be back with you after kind of a lengthy absence. I apologize for the break in between shows. Uh, it's kind of crazy how life just uh, gets in the way sometimes, but um, like I said, excited to be back and, and glad to have you guys joining me once again on the Three Point Threat Podcast. Uh, for any of you who might be new to the show or joining for the first time now that it's resurfaced, um, this is a, primarily a Utah Jazz podcast, but also talk a lot about uh, the NBA as a whole. Um, it's called the Three Point Threat because each show I go through three points uh, relating to, like I said, the Utah Jazz or the NBA. Um, and I'm excited to be back at it, guys. A lot has changed uh, for the Utah Jazz, obviously, since the last time I did the show. Um, you know, last one was back in December when uh, things weren't looking too bright for the Jazz. They were right in the midst of a really tough month, uh, the hardest month that any team faced uh, this year. And then, of course, as we all know, you know, back about mid towards the end of January, there was that disappointing loss to the Atlanta Hawks, and it really felt like rock bottom. The Jazz were nine games below 500. Uh, seemed like the playoffs were well out of reach. Uh, but lo and behold, from there, Jazz have now won 18 of their last 20 games, and you know the playoffs are right within striking distance. And actually, for point one today, that's exactly what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the Jazz's playoff situation, how the end of the season looks for them, and really my prediction for their playoff chances. For point two, I want to look a little bit more to the future, a little bit beyond 2017-18, and just talk about you know we've seen some of the best of the Jazz in, the, in this recent win streak, you know, in the 18 wins in the last 20 games. Um, but moving forward from here, what do the Jazz need to do? Where do they need to get better? Uh, where do they need to look to improve in free agency? What's really the plan from here on out for the Jazz to go from the good team they are right now uh, to a potential title contender? I'll talk a little bit about that. And then for point three, getting back into an old habit, want to just look at the week ahead. It's a pretty friendly week for the Jazz to be playing three teams um, that most likely are going to be lottery picks. Uh, the first one's the Detroit Pistons. That I guess you could argue maybe they could still fight their way into the playoffs. But I'm feeling pretty confident that all three will be lottery teams. So we're going to talk about those three games they have this week, and I'll give my predictions on those. So without further ado, like I said, we're back guys let's jump right into this episode of the three-point threat point one so obviously one of the most frustrating things about the utah jazz's recent run is they've played so well as i mentioned they've won 18 of their last 20 games yet somehow they they you know have been stuck in 10th place for so long um with the san antonio spurs loss last night to the houston rockets um because of tiebreakers the jazz have actually moved ahead and, and now they are eighth as of tonight, which is, is good news. That's awesome to see. Um, but really before that, you know, the Jazz have been in 10th place for a really long time. And a big part of that is because, honestly, for the most part, those teams immediately above them, you know, specifically the Nuggets and the Clippers, um, had just been playing so well that the Jazz couldn't catch up. Uh, you know, fortunately, they, they have caught up significantly. Um, they are tied with both the Nuggets and the Clippers in terms of games back. Uh, the Clippers do have a slightly better win percentage than the Jazz just because of a difference in the number of games. But really, you know, that the Jazz are right there on the cusp. And the good news is I think it's only going to get better from here. Um, it's crazy to think that between the Jazz, you know, as of, as of Monday, they were in 10th place, as I mentioned. But they were still just a game and a half out of fourth place. And that's what they were. the Pelicans are currently sitting right now, who the Jazz beat on Sunday. And it's just crazy to think that there is that little space between the seeds four through 10. Even the Portland Trailblazers that have separated themselves a little bit. I mean, going into last night's games, they just had a three and a half game lead um, over the Utah Jazz. And to see really, you know, three through 10, but more 
specifically four through 10, so bunched up like that has been pretty crazy. And what it means is we're going to see a lot of shuffling down the stretch of the season. The good news is, and I actually wrote an article on this uh, just yesterday for the jnotes.com, is that the Jazz are in really good shape to move up. Um, you know, their next five games are against opponents that I would consider lottery teams. Um, four of them pretty handily won. You could argue is still on the fringe, but it, that's the Detroit Pistons. Uh, I really don't think they are going to make the playoffs when all is said and done. But the Jazz have the uh, the Pistons tonight, and then they'll go on to play the Phoenix Suns, then the Sacramento Kings, Atlanta Hawks, all four of those at home, and then they'll visit the Dallas Mavericks on the road. But that's five games in a row the Jazz really should win. Um, you know, it's always hard to string together five games in the NBA, no matter who your opponents are. But of course, the Jazz are coming off an 11 game win streak not that long ago. They're up to six wins in a row right now. I think it's completely fathomable that they're going to win all five of those games and match their 11 game win streak from earlier in the season. Um, so if the Jazz do that, obviously, that's just more wins. That's going to help them out. And then the other thing is, you know, the teams above them in the standings, uh, most notably, I think that the Clippers would be the one that stands out the most to me. They have a really, really hard schedule uh, this week. I would expect them to drop some games. And then some of the teams that we need the Jazz, that the Jazz need to lose, excuse me, they play each other. Um, so, you know, the Spurs and the Pelicans face off, uh, the Timberwolves and the Spurs face off, the Thunder and the Clippers face off. So in those, you know, anybody, you know, no matter who loses, it's going to be a win for the Jazz. So in short, the Jazz have a really good shot to move up. As I mentioned with the Spurs losing last night, that did move the Jazz in eighth already, which is great because it's felt like they've been stuck in 10th forever. Um, but they still have, you know, they still have room to move up beyond that. I don't think it's a stretch to say that if all goes well for the Jazz, they could be, you know, up to seven or six um, by the start of next week, just based on the tough schedules of the teams ahead of them. You know, it's just crazy how how close the West is, as I mentioned. And um, if the Jazz go on a big run here, not just in these five very winnable games, but to close out the season, um, they honestly still have a really good shot to earn, earn home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. And when you think about it, guys, that's incredible. I mean, even last year's Jazz team. Uh, that won 51 games. You know they they were not um, they were the fifth seed, so they didn't have home court advantage. Um, to think that this team could finish with a better record and arguably a deeper West would be pretty impressive. Uh, but I talked about the five games the Jazz have coming up immediately. Then after that, things get quite a bit harder. I just want to give you guys a little preview of what we have there. The Jazz will be on the road against the Spurs uh, for the fourth time. That will be the second night of a back to back. Obviously, the Jazz have enjoyed some success against the Spurs this year. They're 3-0 and against them. Um, but, you know, that game is going to be a totally different animal. The Spurs are going to be pretty desperate. Uh, they know that their playoff hopes are at risk with some of the woes, the injury woes they've had. Also, Kawhi Leonard is targeting a return uh, this Thursday. Uh, so, you know, he would be ready to go for that game, hypothetically, um, against the Jazz, which is on March 23rd. Uh, that's going to be a tough one. I mean, you know, the fact that we beat the Spurs three times in and of itself is pretty amazing. Um, to think that we could sweep them would be, you know, just almost mind-blowing. But the way the Jazz are playing and the way the Spurs have struggled, depending on how, how Kawhi's return really figures in there, uh, it's going to be a good game. It's going to be fun. From there, the Jazz have the Warriors, which we all know how challenging that will be. That one's also on the road. Uh, then the Jazz have the Celtics at home. Obviously, this is one that a lot of people had circled on their calendar. Uh, there won't be Gordon Hayward in this game, which makes it not quite as, I guess, uh, meaningful. And the Celtics are pretty banged up as well. You know, they've lost a lot of guys due to injury. So I, I think this is a good one that, that the Jazz really could win. And then they have the Grizzlies at home, another one they should win, even though the Grizzlies seem to give us, uh, you know, problems for some reason. Uh, then the Timberwolves, at home, or excuse me, on the road, which I think is going to be 
that's going to be a huge game. That's pretty much going to be a playoff game in my mind. We saw how chippy it got between the Jazz and the Wolves last time. This one being in Minnesota, both teams could be fighting for their playoff lives. That's going to be an awesome game. Then the Jazz host the Lakers and the Clippers. Likewise, that game against the Clippers could be a playoff atmosphere. Then the Jazz are at the Lakers again after that. Um, and, and again, the Lakers actually kind of worry me. They've been playing extremely well. Uh, not really, you know, not a realistic chance at all that they make the playoffs, obviously, um, but they've been playing well. They want to prove that, you know, they, they have a young core in place that can be attractive for free agents. They're, they're going to look to win as many games as they can. Um, they've been playing extremely well. So those are not gimmies like we might have thought they were even a couple weeks ago. Um, then the last two games of the year, the Jazz host the Warriors, um, which who knows, depending on where the standings are there, you know, if the Warriors can't move up a, a spot, if, if the Rockets have clinched the top seed or, you know, if the Warriors have clinched, whatever it is, there's a good chance the Warriors could rest players in that game, which would be nice for the Jazz, but no guarantee there. Obviously, if the Warriors are healthy and all playing, that's going to be a, a tough one. In the last game of the year against the Blazers, again, these end-of-year games are so hard to predict against these other playoff teams because if the Blazers, if the Blazers for example, are locked in at that third place, if they can't move, well, they're not able to move up, but if they can't move down from there and if they they're just set. Um, you know, they're not going to have much motivation to, to play all their guys and they may try to take it easy. But if, if they have anything at stake, that, that could be a battle as well. That one could determine, you know, whether the Jazz have home court advantage or not, or whether the Blazers are the three seed or the four seed, or whatever it may be. Um, that could be a critical game. So, you know, I really think the Jazz are going to take advantage in these next five, as I stated. I, I really am predicting the Jazz to, at the end of the day, string together another 11 game win streak. From there, you know, the Grizzlies is a game I, I feel really confident that they'll win. But the rest of them are all all tough, guys. I mean, um, you look at the games, like I said, the Spurs, the Warriors twice, the Timberwolves is going to be an absolute battle, the Clippers, um, even a banged-up Celtics team, and, and the Lakers can't be slept on. I really think it's going to come down to, though, the Jazz need to beat the Grizzlies and the Lakers both times against the Lakers. Then they got to find a way to beat both the Timberwolves and the Clippers, as a minimum. I should say that, you know, if, if they drop the Timberwolves game but win all the rest, obviously they're going to be just fine. But that's kind of the path I have for them is after these five easy games, they need to, at a, at a bare minimum, beat the Grizzlies, beat the Timberwolves, beat the Lakers twice, and beat the Clippers. If they do all that, as I've described, it would put them at... 47 wins, which, you know, I have a hard time believing that 47 wins isn't going to be enough to make it in the playoffs. But then again, if you had told me at the beginning of the year the Jazz would be 37 and 30 and would be in 10th place as they were going into games on Monday, I wouldn't have believed that either. It just seems like seven games above 500 should easily have you in that playoff mix. That's not the case this year with how good or how evenly matched, you know, those three through 10 seeds are. So that's kind of my thoughts there. Honestly, it, it's going to be tough. As good as the Jazz are playing right now, um, you know, not all their opponents have been crazy good. Especially the next five they're going to face, and and like so they got to take they got to take care of business against all five of those too. None of those are going to be given to them, so that's going to be big as well. Uh, but then, you know, I know the Jazz beat the Spurs and the Warriors in their earlier streak. But it's a different time of year. You know, it's, it's after the All-Star break. A lot of these teams have a lot at stake, especially the Spurs. I think it's, we're going to see a lot of battles down the stretch. It's not going to be a guarantee or a given the Jazz make the playoffs. But honestly, if they get to that 47-win mark, which I think they're very capable of, I think they're going to make it. Another reason why I'm feeling good about Utah's playoff chances is just, you know, even with that hard stretch the Jazz have after these next five, uh, you know, a lot of other teams have really tough schedules. You look at the Clippers, you know, for one, have a tough schedule. The Spurs have a really hard schedule. Uh, the Nuggets, for example, have that seven-game road trip 
um, in March, near the end of March. And it's just, that's just crazy to fathom, honestly, that they have to play that many games in a row on the road. And they have not been a good road team. I think the Jazz are going to make the playoffs because of a combination of things. One, they're playing well right now on both ends of the floor. Uh, they're really humming. They have this nice five-game stretch where they can really, you know, take a big step forward. And then just from there, with how well they're playing lately, that's going to translate over. They're going to win some of these tough games. I really think they're going to. There's no way they're just going to collapse and start losing to these really good teams. Um, they'll drop a few between now and the end of the season, without a doubt. But I think they're going to win these games. But more than that, just the fact that a lot of their you know closest competitors in the standings are going to slide, that's going to help the Jazz as well. You know They were stuck in 10th place for so long because most of the teams above them weren't losing enough. Or you know teams like the Spurs or the Thunder were up high enough that their slide is just barely starting to bring them down closer to the Jazz. Um, but, but with what we're seeing the end of the year for a lot of these teams, I feel very confident that those guys are going to start sliding and the Jazz are going to be able to pass them. So I guess long story short, I'm feeling really good about Utah's playoff chances. I think they're going to finish right around 47 to 48 wins, and that'll be enough to get them in. Will they get home court advantage? I don't know about that. I think the, the Thunder are going to figure things out. I know we've been saying that all year long, uh, but I really think they're going to do just enough to maybe be up you know, above the Jazz. Maybe they're the ones to grab that four seed. The Spurs could go on a big run uh, with Kawhi Leonard healthy. You know, The Pelicans are playing extremely well, and maybe you know after that kind of bad loss on Sunday to, uh, to the Jazz, uh, maybe they turn things back around and they stay in fourth place. I don't know. There's a lot that could happen, so I'm not willing to bank on the Jazz getting home court advantage, but I do feel comfortable they're going to get, you know, obviously in the playoffs. And I think there's a really, really, really good chance that they finish um, above the seventh seed, which of course would be nice because that would mean they'll dodge either the Rockets or the Warriors in the first round. I think there's a great chance the Jazz do get that sixth seed, and if they do, that could mean big things for the first round of the playoffs. So that's my perspective on where the Jazz are at. I know it's been frustrating to see them stuck in 10th for so long, guys, uh, but expect big things not only this week, uh, but between now and the end of the season. I think we'll see the Jazz really solidify their spot, and I'm looking forward to it. With that all said, let's move on now to point two. Point two. So the Utah Jazz are obviously playing some of their best basketball of the season, or I guess we should say the best basketball of the season. Um, even with that being the case, I think we all are well aware that the chances of them keeping this momentum to the point where they go on to win a championship this year is slim to none. I mean, it'd be awesome to see it happening. You know, if that same Jazz team that came out and somehow throttled the Warriors by 30 um, you know, back in January was able to show up for 16 playoff games. That would be pretty awesome. But again, I think we all know that's not going to quite be the case. The Jazz have some work to do in, in future years if they're to be able to, you know, get to that upper echelon and really be potentially one of the top teams in the NBA. Um, obviously, they have a great core in place right now, or I should say great building blocks uh, with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. And for just a, a split second, I want to talk a little about Donovan Mitchell. I mean, he has absolutely exceeded all of our expectations for this year. I really think we have a, a potential superstar on our hands, and, and that's going to be huge for the Jazz in a lot of ways. Obviously, just him alone from a pure talent standpoint, but also attracting others into the mix. You know, the Jazz have a lot of things going for them. Yes, they're a small market. Yes, historically, they don't attract big name free agents. Um, but the fact of the matter is, they're building a reputation, you know, as having a great front office. Um, a great coaching staff, great head coach in Quinn Snyder, a great culture. You know, I think even like Joe Johnson, I know that he's no longer with the team, but when he, you know, when he was traded and eventually bought out by the Kings, he mentioned, you know, when the Houston Rockets returned to Utah, um, that that locker room was one of the closest he's been in in his time in the NBA. And I think that's something that's going to, you know, catch people's eye. It's going to spread. It's something they want to be a part of. 
And so there's a lot of good things going for the Jazz in that regard. And obviously, uh, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert are great building blocks. Uh, but the Jazz, you know, they need a little bit more. I would say, you know, the biggest question marks for me um, as far as looking at the starters, obviously one is Ricky Rubio. And hear me out on this one because obviously he's been playing a lot better in, in this part of the season. But Ricky Rubio and then obviously Derek Favors is, is a huge question mark, what his future is going to hold. And then not as a member of the Jazz, but as a member of the starting lineup, I think Joe Ingles is also um, a bit of a question mark. So I'll kind of go through each of those. You know, Ricky Rubio, um, sincerely, I owe him a huge apology. <laughs> I was pretty critical of his play early in the season. And a lot of that was justified. I think even he would admit that he struggled um, for the better part of the first half of the season, you know, with assimilating to a new team and all that. I think a lot of us had higher expectations for the Jazz being able to um, transform him into a more viable player quicker than they were able to. But obviously these things take time. And uh, Rubio still has his flaws. You know, I still get nervous or cringe a little bit sometimes when he when he shoots threes and things like that sometimes um there's there's turnovers he has that i, I don't like but we know he's not going to be perfect but he, the fact of the matter he's improved so much and you know the fact that he he's scoring better um i love i love his rebounding it's kind of crazy how good his rebounding has been we thought we were getting this assist man but he's really been a better rebounder than he's been an assist man and when he plays with that energy and gets the ball and then pushes the tempo it's worked really really well so Rubio is a question mark for me in that, you know, is he going to be the future at the point guard spot for the Jazz or are they going to bring in more of a star to fill that role or are they going to slide Donovan Mitchell to actually be the full-time starting point guard um, and have somebody else come in as, as the starting shooting guard? I don't know the answer to that. Um, my gut tells me that if the Jazz bring in a forward that's kind of a third star to go alongside Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, then I think Ricky Rubio is serviceable enough um, to be, you know, the, the point guard on a contending team, especially if he's playing like he has, you know, of late. I think before the hip injury, when he was playing so well during that 11-game win streak, and then as of late, as the Jazz have kind of gotten him back in the flow of things, if they have that version of Ricky Rubio, um, I mean, he'll be just fine in that role. However, if the Jazz do, you know, depending on personnel they can bring in or that they draft or whatever pans out, you know, we, we obviously don't have a crystal ball. But I think there's also a chance that the Jazz may look to upgrade, you know, at that point guard spot or slide Donovan Mitchell over. It just all depends on what kind of caliber players they can get in what positions. Maybe they draft someone or maybe there's a free agent that they woo that kind of makes Ricky Rubio expendable. And then if that's the case, obviously there'd be a change there. Um, you know, Derek Favors, uh, I love him to death. And honestly... I'm so torn on this one because I want him to stay. I mean, I love his chemistry with Ricky Rubio. I love his chemistry with Donovan Mitchell. I think he's just a, an all-time professional. Him and Gobert have been actually really good on the court together, um, you know, the, during this run. And um, if he can be had at the right price, I think it's worth the Jazz's while to keep him. On the other hand, they may very well be able to upgrade that position. A couple of free agents that, you know, Jazz fans have kind of drooled over um, and they're both res they're both restricted free agents, so I want to talk a little bit about them. But that's Aaron Gordon and uh, Jabari Parker. You know, I think both of them would be you know great fits in the Jazz system um, if you could just magically transport them on the team and, and not have to pay for them, which obviously is not a reality. Um, but I, I just don't think they're they're going to be realistic options for the Jazz this year. First of all, like I said, they are both restricted, um, which means I, I really think both teams are going to end up matching any offers that come their way. I know there's talk of teams being able to pry, you know, Aaron Gordon away, or that maybe the Bucks are going to feel too financially strapped and not give up on Jabari Parker, or sorry, and be willing to give up Jabari Parker. You know, maybe that is going to be the case. Um, but I would say if the Jazz 
are spending enough money to pry those guys away, they're probably overspending on them. And I know that's going to be an unpopular take for a lot of Jazz fans that are really, really big on Jabari Parker, um, for one. But, you know, let's look at Parker first. I mean, just his injury history really concerns me. Um, I don't know that you want to be spending big bucks on a guy that, you know, has had his ACL injuries and all that. I also don't know that he's exactly proven his worth even when he's been healthy. Obviously, you know, when he when he was healthy last year, he had, you know, the 20.1 points per game. And that was awesome. A lot, he, you know, he's a versatile offensive threat. Um, he'd be a great stretch four. He's shooting the three ball very well so far since returning this year. So there's a lot of things to like about him. Um, but I just feel like the risk outweighs the reward, to be honest, you know, from a health standpoint and from him really proving that he's worth as much as, as he may end up getting um, in restricted free agency. With that being said, you know, I do want to point out that I know at some point the Jazz, if they want to take a big leap, they are going to have to take a risk. You know, it can't just always you can't just always expect to, you know, become a title contender by by getting all these thrifty deals. I, I mean, Dennis Lindsay, if anyone could do it, Dennis Lindsay be the one to do it because uh, he has signed some very some very thrifty, some very savvy deals. But eventually the Jazz are going to have to pull the trigger on a bit of a risk. I just don't think that Jabari Parker or Aaron Gordon are those risks. With Gordon, obviously his injury history is better than Parker's. But I kind of think the same thing. I don't know that he's quite proven yet that he's worth you know, the big dollars that he may command um, with different offer sheets and restricted free agency. I mean, it just kind of came to me. You look at someone like Rodney Hood, who we had high hopes for, that, you know, hey, he's young, he can still blossom into a star. But ultimately, the Jazz decided to part ways with him because they saw some of the warning signs that he was not going to be worth a huge investment. Do I think Aaron Gordon would be better on the Jazz than Rodney Hood? Of course I do. Um, but I think that it's kind of a similar category where, well, I don't think the Jazz should be going out on that big of a limb and throwing that many dollars at Aaron Gordon when he's been largely unproven and we're not really sure you know, what his ceiling is just yet. And like I said, the biggest thing is to prime away from the Magic. It's going to have to be a pretty big offer. I don't know if the Jazz want to, you know, handcuff themselves that way. Last one is Joe Ingles. We know Joe Ingles, you know, obviously has a part on this team. Uh, but I don't know if it's going to be as a starter or, or off the bench. Again, depending on who the Jazz can get in the draft or, you know, in free agency, if they can get a small forward that's going to be really a third star um, next to Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, they may make a change there and have him kind of take Joe's starting spot and let Joe be the sixth man. Granted, in some games, you know, this is probably a little bit um, exaggerated, but Joe's looked kind of like an all-star. You know, the way he's shooting the three, uh, the way he defends, maybe you could argue that, you know, the Jazz shouldn't look for a small forward because they have their starting small forward in Joe Ingles, and that's not a position they need to upgrade. You know, if he plays with confidence and if he knocks down shots like he has, there's certainly an argument for that. Uh, but then again, like I said, you know, based on availability or who the Jazz are able to woo, I think there is a chance um, that maybe the small forward position could be the one where they really look to upgrade. That being said, though, I do think that the primary spot is probably um, power forward. And I, I hate to have Derek Favors be the odd man out. Um, but I think that's where the Jazz may look to find someone that's a little more versatile. They can hopefully still defend, you know, similar to how Favors can, um, but also shoot the ball better, be more of a stretch forward in that position. If it's not the power forward, it's probably the point guard. I, I think that the three that are, are the most well-established, obviously, are uh, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, and then Joe Ingles probably is a starter, as I've said. Uh, beyond that, you know, um, the free agent targets that I like the most, I actually recently did a piece on the jnotes.com featuring some free agents that I think the Jazz realistically could pursue. You know, we know LeBron James and Paul George are going to be free agents this year, but I just don't see that really um, coming to fruition, of course. I don't think those guys are going to have interest in coming to Utah, unfortunately, because uh, they probably would fit really well with a good supporting cast. Um, I mentioned that piece, you know, Aaron Gordon, Jabari Parker, kind of with my same mindset that I just don't know that... 
um, they'd be worth the price the Jazz would have to pay. And you know, other than the guys I've mentioned, it's not a it's not a crazy deep free agent class uh, this summer. But there are a few guys I like that I hope the Jazz will take a look at. Uh, one of those is actually Tyreek Evans. Um, obviously, he's had a phenomenal year for the Memphis Grizzlies. He he's been hurting lately, uh, but when he was healthy, when he was playing, he was their leading scorer at just over 19 points a game. And he's had an up and down career, so adding Tyreek Evans would be a risky pick. But for that same reason. If he's kind of one of those guys that we can get on a thrifty deal, I could see him being an awesome and dynamic scorer for the Jazz. I could see, you know, the Jazz development um, and just really Quinn Snyder's style really making him fit in well with the Jazz. Um, again, I it's hard because I know we need to take a risk eventually, but I wouldn't want to see the Jazz overpay him. But I do like the idea of Tyreek Evans joining the Jazz. I think he could be a really good fit. Uh, the other one, and I don't think it's likely, um, but I actually really like Thaddeus Young, who pays for the place for the Indiana Pacers. He does have a player option uh, for next year, and with how well the Pacers have been playing, and with uh, you know the amount of money that Thaddeus has owned um, in Indiana, I do suspect that he will opt into that player option. So there's a good chance he may not even actually be available. But I do think he's someone that the Jazz should pursue. You know, he's not he's not a flashy star by any means, but he's a guy that goes out and he he gets the job done. He plays defense well. He rebounds well. And he can shoot the three ball well. Um, he's down a little bit this year, but last year he was right around 38%. And I think there's definitely, you know, even room for growth there. Um, obviously, we wouldn't go for him unless he was going to be the, the favors replacement. But I think him as a starting power forward next to Rudy Gobert uh, could be really good. Um, other than that, you know, there's a few, you know, guys that are, I would say, are, are less impact guys out there. You know, in that piece that I, wrote, I, meant, I mentioned, uh, Mario Hezonia of the Orlando Magic. Um, you know, Fred Van Vliet of the Toronto Raptors, a couple different guys that would be, you know, more of your really good role players. Um, but as far as finding that next star or, or another guy to really pair with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert to help take the Jazz to the next level, you know, we may have to be patient. It may be someone in the draft that, that takes a couple more years um, to develop. But um, I do think the Jazz need at least one or two more players um, that are going to really help advance them. Obviously, having Sefalosha back next year is going to be be big. I really think and hope that Jazz keep him around. And then just internal development. Obviously, Donovan Mitchell is going to get better. We've seen Joe Ingles improve big time. Uh, Ricky Rubio has gotten better just in this year, so he can come back even stronger next year. Um, the one thing I will say, uh, while obviously I, I love Rudy Gobert, and, and I think he's a fantastic player, um, I really think that for the Jazz to take the next step, Rudy Gobert needs to get much better on the offensive end. Now, what I mean is I don't expect Rudy Gobert to be, you know, a stretch five, to be knocking down threes, to even be really shooting jump shots. But he's got to have more weapons than what he has. And I know that you can look at a lot of, especially last year, a lot of the advanced analytics, um, looking at him on offense. You know, he does impact the game in, in several ways on offense. By no means am I saying he's a bad offensive player. But, for example, when I watched that game against the Pelicans, um, you know, he just struggled to get anything going at first offensively with Anthony Davis guarding him. And he needs to have some sort of go-to post move or some something uh, more in the post where he can finish around defenders or, or really challenge defenders when his back's to the basket. I don't know exactly what it's going to take, uh, but I just know that Rudy Gobert needs to add a little bit more to his offensive game for the Jazz to really take the leap. You know, defensively, he's there. Like anybody, he's going to get beat on occasion by these great players. But as we saw in the game against the Pelicans, you know, Anthony Davis played really well against Gobert at the beginning, but Gobert ended up holding him scoreless in the fourth quarter. So that's the kind of thing is, is I think Gobert's there on defense. Um, but for him and the Jazz to really take a big leap next year, I need to see more out of him offensively, more versatility that still plays to his strengths. 
So I know I've covered a lot there, uh, but those are just some of my thoughts on how the Jazz can improve and how they can take that next step in the not-so-distant future, you know, beyond this year, uh, looking to really become a title-contending team. So let's move on now to our third and final point. Point three. All right, so for point three, just want to take a look at the week ahead. Obviously, I've already told you that I think the Jazz are going to win the next five games in a row. That's kind of my bold prediction for these upcoming games. But let's break them down a little bit more. You know, Tuesday night, the Jazz will host the Detroit Pistons. Um, earlier in the year, it was early in the 11-game win streak. The Jazz gutted out a really intense uh, overtime victory over Detroit where they, they really came alive late in the game and in overtime to seal the deal. Um, last year, the Jazz absolutely walloped Detroit, and obviously both teams are, are pretty different, especially the Jazz. Uh, the Pistons obviously added Blake Griffin, um, but honestly, this is not a team that, that frightens me. Um, I know that Blake Griffin and the Jazz you know, have faced each other several times, but I really think that front court of, of Griffin and Drummond is going to be one the Jazz can contain. And beyond that, the Pistons don't have a lot that scares me, honestly. I really feel like between our bench and the rest of our team, I think we'll be able to overwhelm the Pistons pretty easily, especially in Utah. The next one on Thursday, um, the Jazz will take on the Suns. And I got to be honest with you guys, the Suns are one of my least favorite teams to watch the Jazz play. And part of that is because obviously the, the TJ Warren body checking Dante Exum or when George Hill got hurt last year from Alex Lynn. But I just feel like this team plays chippy. Uh, they're kind of loose cannons. They're kind of out of control. Um, obviously some of that comes with youth. But there's just something about playing this team that always makes me feel nervous. Like someone's going to get hurt or there's going to be some sort of weird twist of fate and we're going to be flat-footed and lose. I mean, I guess that did happen earlier in the season. But for some reason, this Suns team always kind of puts a, a knot in my stomach. And I do think we are going to win. I'm probably just being paranoid. But for some reason, this one has me a little bit worried um, as maybe kind of a trap game or a dangerous game. As long as the Jazz come out focused and, and with energy, I think they should win that one. Uh, then the Jazz will host the Kings on Saturday. Again, the Kings are one of those teams, along with the Suns, that are kind of fighting for tanking position, trying to get the best draft pick. I don't see the Jazz having much problem with them. Again, just not a lot of talent there whatsoever. So those are the three games the Jazz face this week. Again, I have them three going 3-0 three and oh, and then winning the next two after that. Uh, obviously, next week's going to be a little more fun to predict because they'll have the Spurs and Warriors, but I'm not going to talk about those games yet. We'll save those for next week. So... Anyway, that's it for the show today, you guys. Thank you for tuning back in. Thanks for bearing with me in my absence. I'm looking forward to getting back into the into the show uh, pretty regularly here. Make sure you check it out on thejnotes.com. Make sure you're following it, uh, the podcast itself at 3P Threat Podcast. Also, make sure you tune in on Dash Radio on Tuesday evenings on the Nothing But Net channel. You can catch the Three Point Threat Podcast on there as well. Also, if you guys have any questions or suggestions for the show, feel free to let me know on, on Twitter. Um, I'll be happy to tackle those for you here at the Three Point Threat. Until next week, guys, so long and let's go Jazz. <laughs>